Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I love doing the mastermind with principals every single week. It is so rewarding and invigorating to hear people overcome their challenges day in and day out. I want to share some of the things that people have found most useful to them as they've been participating in the mastermind. Here's a couple. I really appreciate the reminder of the need for essential learnings. Even though I feel isolated and alone, I recognize that I have a group here where I'm not alone and we're all in this together. Another one said, figuring out hiring was most useful. Having conversations with people about topics that we still need to address, even if the timing's not right. Doing the mastermind is awesome, and you would love it if you were a part of it as well. Go to jethrojones.com slash mastermind, and let's schedule a chat to talk about whether or not the mastermind's right for you. That's jethrojones.com slash mastermind. This week's episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational. You can get a discount on the awesome books that they have available by going to us.johncatbookshop.com and using the code TRANSFORMATIVE30. That'll save you 30% on any order. That's us.johncatbookshop.com, and the code is TRANSFORMATIVE30. So we've talked about the first two mistakes that instructional leaders make. The first one was focusing too much on student outcomes, and the second one was staying out of teachers' ways. Staying out of teachers' way. Man, I'm just stumbling. (laughs) Pardon me. So what is the uh, third mistake that instructional leaders often make? You know, this one is going to be short and sweet, and I think most instructional leaders would agree with me. The mistake is just staying busy because staying busy isn't the same as being productive in your day. And one of my favorite visuals when coming to prioritizing our time is Stephen Covey's management matrix. You know, there's, yeah, isn't that Mm -hmm. awesome? So there's four quadrants, um, just real quickly. Quadrant one um, are the things that are important and urgent. So those might be deadlines that are coming up or maybe a crisis that was unexpected. Quadrant two is really where um, the rubber hits the road, but it's often overlooked. So that's what's important, but not urgent. And I'll come back to that in just a second. But uh, quadrant three are the not important, but urgent things that come up in the day. So that could be an angry parent wanting to talk to you. And not to say that it's not important, but it's, it's not impacting teaching and learning. Let's say that. And then quadrant four are the not important and not urgent. And so that an example of that might be, you know, taking to answering emails, let's say. So what we really want to, where we want to focus our time is quadrant two. And we need to find ways to expand that quadrant. But what makes it hard is quadrant two is not coming and knocking at our door or calling our phone or popping into our email because quadrant two is all about the teaching and learning that's happening every single day. What gets in the way are six teachers with no subs to fill the job. Like I said, the angry parents or the student behaviors, those are things that we can't ignore and they come at us loud and clear. So we just have to be really intentional with our time and really do a self-audit of is our calendar and our day being filled with low-yield tasks or high-yield tasks? 
Um, high yield to me are things that are positively impacting teaching and learning. And that's what we need to con- continue to do, continue to audit our time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I've worked with principals on multiple times is this idea of creating a, an ideal week and saying, here's how I want to spend my time. And then making sure that those other things get scheduled in so that you you know, like, yes, there's going to be emergencies. Yes, there's going to be things that are urgent that you need to deal with. But not everything is that way. And having a time dedicated to doing those things that are not urgent during the week is really important. So you can get that at jethrojones.com slash ideal week. And I share that. And I believe that you have something along those lines as well. Don't you do a Monday mindset or something like that? Yes, I have a Monday Mindset podcast and it's more about, it does talk about managing your time, but it is more about being mindful in your day. If we want to be performing at a peak capacity, then truly we need to have a healthy mind. And so the Monday Mindset is shared out uh, every Monday for those who subscribe uh, through Apple or through iHeartRadio. However, if if people head over to my website at www.amberdembowski.com, they can also subscribe there. When they subscribe through my website, they get my podcast on Sunday. And they also get a planner that goes along with it so that they can personalize um, what was talked about in the in the mindset. Yeah, very good. So make sure you check that out. There's a link to that also in the show notes for this episode. If you just tap on the the cover art, which is a beautiful picture that my wife designed, or if you swipe left or right, you should be able to get to that link and, and check that out. Now, I want to talk about this idea of budgeting your time appropriately because it's it's so important. And so one of the things that I did is I had Tuesday afternoons from after lunch until the end of the day, we're set aside for doing district stuff, whatever Mm -hmm. that was. And so if there was, you know, a project that the district needed, or there was something that I'd follow up on or training for state testing or whatever that was, that would fall into that slot. And so I made sure that that slot always was saved for that purpose. And if I didn't have any district stuff to do, it was really easy to, to just not do anything then. And do the other things that need to be done. But if I ever had something, I would always say, I'm just going to set that aside until that day at that time. And then I can do it. What other tips do you have for managing your time so that you're not being pulled about in every different direction? Well, I like to schedule the things that are important first. And so the things to me that are important Mm -hmm. are kind of squeezing myself into the teacher's day, not in an awkward or takeover kind of way, but more in a curious and supportive kind of way. So that looks like, you know, getting into the classroom during instruction so that I can really see what's important and what's not. So I like to schedule those into my calendar every Sunday for the following week. And truly, I consider it a success. And this is with the people that I consult and work with. Um, If you can get into at least nine classrooms, 10 minutes in each classroom a week, uh, that's truly a success. And within that time, you can certainly pull out pieces of feedback that you can provide the teachers during that time, which actually kind of transitions well into my next mistake that I shared through the ASCD article. 
Um, it talks a lot about feedback. Excellent. Let's move to that. Yeah. So mistake four is always seeking out ways to critique, which really falls back on our feedback. And so when we provide teachers feedback, we need to recognize what is the purpose of that feedback. Are we providing the feedback to help, to fix, or to serve? And just on my recent Monday Mindset podcast, I shared about this exact topic. Helping means that we want to make something easier for others or to assist them. But helping isn't perceived as a relationship between equals. So helping implies that the teacher doesn't know as much as you or me and that they're weaker than us. Now, and if we, if we approach things from the perspective of fixing things, then that means you're approaching the teacher as if they're broken. And even though this type of feedback is well-intentioned, the teachers may begin to question you and may begin to believe that, you know, we don't think they're doing a good job. So there is a time and a place for this type of feedback. I would say, you know, a a conversation following evaluations or a formal observation, or maybe during a, a coaching cycle type conversation. But if you're providing this kind of feedback during weekly walkthroughs, like the 10 minute visits that I was just talking about, it can be more damaging than helpful. And I just want to give you an example. One classic way that instructional leaders are unintentionally approaching teaching from a help or fix mentality is through their glow and grow feedback. Have you heard of that? The glow and grow? Yep. I sure have. Yes. So they'll leave a note pointing out something positive that they observed, and then they'll end with something for the teacher to consider or maybe an area to grow. And the instructional coach or administrator thinks that they're doing their job by providing this type of feedback. But in this situation, what they don't realize is they're approaching it from a stance of inequality. So, you know, something like I know more than you or from a stance of brokenness, like your instruction isn't strong enough yet. So you'll get a lot more bang for your buck by approaching feedback through the lens of serving And when your objective is to help or fix, you're focusing on your expertise or assessing and responding to needs. And when you serve, you're approaching it completely different because you see the wholeness of the teacher and you trust that they're working hard, that they're doing their best, um, and that they have a lot of goodness and talent to offer the classroom. So when we serve others, we strengthen others. And serving requires us to know that our humanity is more powerful than our expertise. So in the in the feedback example, serving looks like leaving a note of feedback, pointing out the great teaching and learning that's happening, and then stopping there. There's no need to point out an area of growth or something consider, to consider in that moment. It's just a different... That challenges some people's thinking, for sure. Yeah, it sure does. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to see the latest publications, whose exciting ideas include overcoming the extrovert ideal in our schools, creating bottom-up transformation that promotes buy-in from all educators, and improving formal and informal continuous learning opportunities for teachers. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. 
Learn more in our show notes. My approach to evaluation has and and observations and all that has and giving feedback has really changed over the past few years mm-hmm. as I've seen that every time I try to and I haven't put it in the terms you're using to help or fix, it has ended up souring the relationship. And every yes. time I have focused on serving, it has improved the relationship. And I'm just cycling back through my teachers right now and staff members that I've worked with. And and what I'm seeing is all the people who grew under my leadership, I was focused on serving them. And all the people who either got worse or we had bad relationships with, it was because I was helping or fixing mm-hmm. them. And, and the way that you phrase that is really good. My approach now to evaluation observations is, is simply to, to ask questions that are either, how can I help you do better? Like, what do you need? What support do you need? What resources do you need? What things can I take off your plate? Or what do you think needs to improve? I now recognize, and I'm embarrassed to admit this to all my former teachers, I apologize. I now recognize that I do not have all the answers. And that's awful for me to admit because I feel like (laughs) I should have had all the answers my whole life. Sure. And I just don't, you know, and and so unfortunately, as a principal, I thought that I needed to or thought that I was supposed to. And really what I need to be doing is is serving them, because when you serve them, they grow way more than you can imagine. And so so one of the things that I'm trying to figure out is how to create a totally service oriented evaluation that takes out the score that you assign, takes out the rating of teachers, takes out all that other stuff so that you can just focus on serving that person and helping them become the best that they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, there has been more and more research on this. Uh, Gallup found that when employees are given primarily positive feedback, so what we're talking about with the serving them, that when they're given primarily positive feedback, that 98% of them will be highly engaged in their work. And when we provide that glow and grow type feedback, that you know it's somewhat critical, only 66% of them will be engaged in their work when they receive that type of feedback. I just recently read a book titled, um, let's see, Nine Lies About Work, written by Marcus Buckingham. And he has done a lot of research in this area as well. And his research is more about employees aren't looking for feedback. They're looking for attention. And so when we're noticing the good things that they're doing every single day, they're going to become intrinsically motivated to do better rather than being told they need to do better. Yeah, that is, I totally believe that. And so like when you think about how this, how this actually applies to, to what we're doing, I had a teacher who when we implemented a Marzano evaluation framework, she started getting ranked lowly because she wasn't doing the things that Marzano said were good, but she'd been teaching for like 20 years and had been taken 10 years in the middle to be a instructional uh, coach in the district and then came back to the classroom. And by all accounts that she was measuring, she was a great teacher. And then I came in and started ranking her low Because honestly, she wasn't doing, she may have been a great teacher 15 years ago, but she wasn't doing the things that we were saying are good teaching in our district. And, and 
that that situation turned her into my mortal enemy. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> she would do anything she could to undermine and take me out of the knees for good reason, because I was treating her like a, like, not like a child, but like a dog, you know, it was sure, awful. Right. And, and I look yeah. back now and I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? Like if I would have had a serve service minded approach to that, then I would have been much better off. And unfortunately, the the evaluation systems that we use, they do not teach you to be service-minded. They teach you to be critical, to find something wrong that the person is doing, and then to make sure that they know about it and to never let them forget it. And so right. this teacher, in a final act of defiance, at the end of her year when she was retiring, she signed, she sent a staff email at the end and signed it with her name and then her score from uh, the evaluations that I had given mm-hmm. her and mm-hmm. just like totally just drove that point home and said, you're awful Jethro. And you know, sure, sure. that's, and you know what, that's one and of my, yes, live and learn. And we make so many mistakes along the way, but as long as we're reflective about them and make adjustments for the future, that's, that's truly the point. But your, your story there is such a great example of, of my mission because I've fallen into the same same traps. It's the it's the policies and the expectations and all of that that's put out there and the pressure that really takes the humanity away from education. And I'm just trying to bring it back. I think it's so important mm-hmm. to be bringing back that humanity. Yeah, I think so. So uh, Amber, this has been a wonderful conversation. I have loved talking with you. My final question is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? Oh, the one thing that you can do this week is to take time to recognize each of the teachers for the talents that they're bringing to their classroom and really bring that to the forefront of the teacher so that they know you see the greatness in them. Because once they know that you see it, they're going to want to show you more of it. Yeah. Hmm. That is good. I do want to remind everybody to go to amberdimbowski.com and check out her site and her podcast and any other connections you want to make before we sign off. No, I think that's great. I've enjoyed my visit with you, Jethro. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle and thank you for listening. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information or learn more in our show notes.